Welcome to the Good Fight Tattoo Podcast. Those of you who are watching on YouTube, you'll, you'll notice that there's a slight difference. You get to actually see my face for a change. Lucky you. Everyone else who's listening on audio, I thought I'd let you know ahead of time that there's the, the sound quality might not be as good as normal because I'm having to record this from home. So you'll have to just bear with me and hopefully you'll be able to still listen and take in the content, which is the important part. So this podcast, I spoke with my friend Carissa, also known as Riz Abu, about racism in the tattoo world and the things that we can do to affect it and make positive changes. Um, if there's any questions or any comments you have, any, uh, anyone want to tell your experiences, we're going to be doing a few more of these, hopefully digging deeper into some of the subjects. So if you have questions, leave them in the comments. Yeah, just let us know. Uh, anyway, I hope this, uh, you enjoy this podcast and I hope there's some information and I hope it, it makes you think. That's the idea. Anyway, on with the show. So, Carissa, welcome to the podcast. If you, give you. Us, uh, if you give us a little background of you, you know, your history and who you are and what you do, we'll start it off like that. Yeah, um, so my name's Carissa. I tattoo using the name Rizaboo. That's how most people probably know me. Um, I've been in the industry for about 15 years. Um, and I'm based in Glasgow now, but I'm from London originally. Mm-hmm. Anymore? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to know what to do, isn't it? Um, yeah, so basically what we're talking about is the whole Black Lives Matter movement, right? And first thing I think I would like to get from you is like, I think we need to talk about everything that happened with George Floyd and a, a sort of a bit of a background of what's been happening and why. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah, the tragic death of George Floyd um, was part of a catalyst for really kind of kicking off these protests and the riots and pushing the Black Lives Matter movement forward. It's obviously just really awful that it takes something so tragic and unnecessary as, you know, a man losing his life for people to kind of take notice um, or properly take notice. Um, these are not new issues that have come up. The, you know, discussions about racism, um, institutionalised racism, none of these are new issues. These are things that people have been facing for a long time and some people have been talking about for a long time, but um, you know, I think it's been obviously quite easy for some people to, not easy, but the mainstream has turned away from a lot of these issues. And I think that this is the first time from what I can see that, you know, the majority or majority of people I know, um, white people as well are really joining the fight against racism. Um, and yeah, it needs to be done. So that's part of what was happening. But, um, yeah, obviously it's now been a couple of weeks, so a lot of things have changed in that time as well. A lot of things have already um, kind of shifted, I would say. So one thing I want to address on there first, before mm. we get into anything to do with tattooing, is one of the things that I've been seeing a lot of people saying, and I'm sure it will make you cringe as soon as I say it, but I think some people don't understand why saying things like all lives matter as a response to the Black Lives Matter movement is a stupid thing to say. So yeah. I think probably it would be worth explaining essentially 
that, that's, that's it. Phrase doesn't make sense, or yeah, I think it's I think it's worthwhile for anyone that's. Yeah, I mean, it is one that you see often, like on social media. Um, I, I mean, I think the, the the point of it, the the point of the phrase, Black Lives Matter, like the reason it's there is because for so long, as Black and Brown people, we've been treated like our lives do not matter. The um, white perspective and the white experience just of existing and living is what everything is centered around so you know that's also why a lot of the like people struggle with that you're not used to hearing about black lives being important because generally they're not talked about that way they're not reported that way in the news we're not shown that way in films um you know in terms of like um, what's the, like you know the things you see when you're growing up. But for me now, well now it's different. For me growing up, my mum definitely went out of the way to make sure I had a lot of different things around me. You know, I had a lot of um, mixes of culture around me. Um, but and you know, and I grew up in a mixed household. Um, but I think a lot of people don't you know necessarily if it, maybe if you don't mix with a lot of different sorts of people anyway, there's those kind of, you know, levels of kind of ignorance. But I do think at a certain point, everyone has to, you know, take that on board and educate themselves. Like, you know, the all, all lives matter thing, like the analogy of the house being on fire, right? I think that's a pretty good one to use because people can kind of understand that if you have two houses and one of them is on fire, then you're going to give attention to the one that's on fire, not the one that's sitting there perfectly fine. Yeah. So the black community, black and brown people, have been struggling, suffering, asking for help, saying there's a problem quite loudly and in so many different ways. Like That's the other thing as well with at the moment, um, you know, like all the protests and stuff, um, the people that are anti-protest, especially the people that don't understand the connection for why there are protests happening in the UK when the initial thing happened, you know, the initial um, incident and, you know, the fight against police brutality, it is, we obviously have the same issues here, but not on the same level because of not having guns and, you know. Um, but, yeah, uh, all lives matter is just, it doesn't, it's, it's, a, it's a counter protest to a protest, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a stupid thing because, like, from my perspective, I've had, in my time, I've been a bit of a tear away when I was younger, and I've had problems with the police, and there's never been a point where growing up, me as yeah. a white guy, has to worry about the fact that if I give shit to the police, which I have done in my time, I've never had to worry about the fact that I'm not going to come out of that alive. And yeah. I think the, the all lives matter, people who are shouting those sorts of things, I think perhaps they don't understand that they don't they haven't they haven't understood their privilege in the situation yet of like so what you said like run-ins with the police like the majority of black people that i know if something happens like to them or their property or something like that they probably wouldn't call the police for help that wouldn't be their first you know thing to think of because you don't know what kind of response you're going to get you know like you call the police to come and help you and the amount of people that end up getting arrested outside of their own house or, um, you know, I knew of some of them that had um, 
their car was being broken into and police had been called. And when they came, they stood there like next to their car and they, they, they're assuming it's them that's the one breaking into it because they happen to be brown. You know, it's like, it's not um, the privilege of never having to consider that when you pick up the phone to call the police, whether they're there to protect and serve you, you know what I mean? They're not, like, the way they behave yeah. doesn't look much protecting and serving to me these days. Even more, than that. even more than that, like, I don't even have to worry about that when I'm giving shit to the police. Like, I've never, I've, I've been a bit of a dickhead to the police in my past, and I've given them abuse, I've, you know, I've mouthed off at the police, and I don't ever have to consider the fact that maybe that means that, I'll mm. not come out of that alive, you know, let alone, like you say, I've seen people who have recently today seen videos of people who are during the protests in America where it's kind of got a little bit out of hand and people have started looting and things like that. Mm. A small amount of people have started doing that. But there was uh, like a black owned store and they'd phone the police to come and get some looters and try and sort <laughs> them out. And the people who were, who'd phoned the police were the ones that were getting arrested. And there's people... Yeah literally shouting at the police going these are the people that called you, you yeah it's, it's that disproportionate response yeah i think people, a lot of people don't consider and you know when people say all lives matter i think that you know they've never considered that i think as well like it's you've got to think it's not just when you are in um like when you're in direct contact with police you know what I mean? You're, you're thinking of like if you're actually interacting, but the whole way um, that like the system is set up, and so knowing how they treat black people in general, the history um, or, or past experiences, shall we say, like all of that stuff means as well that like even just walking down the street, if I see police, probably what I think or what flashes through my head is going to be different to what flashes through your head. You know, like. Even if I, like, I mean, I'm, I'm a good girl, <laughs> but even if I haven't done anything wrong, I'm there, like, I'm so, you know what I mean? You, 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 it gets in your head. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's insidious. It's, it's deep in, in there. Um, so my question to that would be, does that uh, then infiltrate how you go about your life? Yeah, of course. In, in, what, in what sort of ways would you say that that affects you? I think that, so do you mean directly just with the police or? Just uh, more so like, uh, yeah, like you can speak about the police directly, but broadly about how you go through your life with that sort of burden on you. I mean, I think that, I think that we are kind of, well, for most people when you're children or for most You'd hope for most black and brown children, especially if you're growing up in the UK, but growing up in the Western world, at some point, one of your parents will have a conversation with you about the fact that you're probably going to face difficulties because of the colour of your skin at some point. Which, again, I mean, that is even, you know, a conversation that, for the most part, you know, white people don't have to have that same kind of conversation with their kids. Or, like, you know, for example... I do travel a lot, right? Me going to the States, and if my mum knew I was doing a road trip, of course she mentions to me, you know what to do if the police call you over. Like, it's not like we, we talk about those things because we know there's a risk. 
So I think um, it definitely changes the way you make certain decisions, you know, and the way that you behave. Like even depending who you're with, for example, like say if I was, I don't know, if I was walking around with one of my black male friends, and an incident happened, not that, you know, that they caused anything, but an, an altercation happened and police did rock up. Like, if I was with a group of people, I know which one of my friends I would be concerned about in that, you know what I mean? So I yeah. think that I, I, I certainly wouldn't say that I walk around worrying about racism day to day. I don't have to walk around worrying about it because I'm confronted with, with it on, you know, day to day basis in the form of like, I don't know, subtle things and things that are less subtle. So I don't need to walk around thinking about it because we're constantly presented with it. Do you get what I mean? Like the, um, so I think that part of what happens is as a child, hopefully your parents prepare you for it. Um, as you grow older, you experience things and then, you know, obviously there's, I think like, bits of life experience kind of fill in some of those gaps as well. I, I don't remember my mum or dad ever really... I don't know how they would voice the layers of the kinds of racism you can experience because I think that a lot of people think racism is someone shouting, you know, in a, like a slur at you in the street, shouting an offensive word at you. But that isn't the sort of racism that most people tend to experience. I don't think, you know, generally it's not that kind, like, you know, um, or not for the most part. Um, it's much more subtle and it's much more, um, it's in all the layers of life, you know, to do with, um, I don't know, like going and getting your shopping, the way that black products are marketed differently and the way they cost more, like black hair products, um, the way that are... Um, just a lot, lot, I mean, there's so many different areas, like education, like children's books. Like I said, my mum was very uh, insistent that I had, you know, I had black dolls, I had books with black children, I had, but there wasn't as much options then. Yeah. Now there's a lot more choice. There's so many good resources. And I think that thing of just normalising, you know, what um, children are taking in, um, normalising variety, sorry, of the things that children are taking in, um, so that they are getting this mix, you know, from a really young age, so that, I don't know, they've just got their eyes open much earlier on, um, especially if they're in environments which are not mixed because of where they are, like, geographically located, you know? So, so from that, if we move on to, like, within tattooing, how do you, how does uh, tattooing, how do you experience racism within tattooing? Do you have examples of things like that? I have many examples of that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I've had a lot of conversations about um, racism and specifically within tattooing, obviously, over the last um, couple of weeks. Um, I, yeah, I think it's, a, it's quite a big subject and there's kind of elements within the tattoo industry, like, which we have to deal with, which don't necessarily actually, not that people don't have to deal with it outside the tattoo industry, but because we're working with skin, right, and we have to talk about skin all the time, 
Um, and we're dealing with colour, and we're dealing with colour on skin, and we're dealing with all these kinds of, and people's, um, um, we're working on a personal level, right? It's, you know, it's a very personal exchange, someone coming and getting a tattoo. Um, so there's many, many, many <laughs> layers to what people can experience. So I think we have the obvious problems with just outright racism, so racial slurs. Um, I, I will talk about the group that I started later on, but I will just mention, um, so I started a, a group for Black and IPOC tattoo artists to try and offer some community and support within the industry because um, I don't really feel or I've never really felt that that's been there for me and I thought it might be useful and helpful for people but when um, when I started that I, I asked people to share some of their experiences like you know how's it been for you working in the industry and um, there's some people who are apprentices only or just couple of, tattooing a couple of years and then there's people I'm the other end of the scale, so like tattooing around 15 years, and some a lot that are around maybe six, eight kind of years. Um, all of them have had experiences of racism with the industry. All of them. Um, some of them. So that's obviously we're talking about people working in the industry at the moment as well. So, so we'll run through. So outright racism, which can obviously be experienced by staff. And actually, I think that is probably more likely to be experienced by staff because generally when clients come in the shop, um, we're probably not going to just you know, racially abuse a, a client straight away, but who knows. Um, but that is, is definite. And actually, the first experience of... Um, or, well, not the first, one of the first experiences of racism that I had within a tattoo studio was someone just using an actual racial slur. And I, I honestly, uh, about a client that had just left, and um, I, was so I was so shocked, you know, when you're, um, I kind of couldn't believe my ears. And I kind of, I looked around, and I was like, nah, they wouldn't have said that in front of me for sure. Like, no way, there's no way. I was really confused. And then, like, about a week later, they used a similar but slightly different, more specific racial slur, and um, I knew, you know, I knew. And then um, I brought it up with my manager, who was a friend at the time, um, a, lot, a, quite a, a friend I had before I was tattooing, actually, and um, used to go to, like, anti-racist gigs with me, like when I played in the band, all this kind of stuff, like, so it really should be on site. And when I went to them and was like, oh, um, you know, this member of staff is using really abusive racial, racially, it wasn't even racially incentive, it was just racist slurs, it was just really racist. And I was like, so she um, wouldn't deal with it. So I, I went to my manager and they said, I think it's better that you deal with it yourself. And I was like, why is that? You're the manager. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, and uh, how, are you, how are you expected to deal with that yourself as well? Yeah, exactly. Um, good point. I yeah, it didn't go very well, to be honest, Nick. <laughs> I um, I confronted him. I, I confronted this person, and um, I yeah, I called them up on it. Uh, the the language they were using, and 
the response was basically, oh, it's just a, it's just a joke. I don't mean anything seriously. And he referenced, like, he said, oh, it would be the same as me using the term white trash. This is a white guy with a, um, he's, he was Jewish. Um, I bring it up because I'm always like, why do people not, like, when people, I guess you have this idea, you know, that if, if people understand oppression, that they should see these things clearer, but it doesn't usually work out that way, you know. The same is like within like feminism and like white feminism, not really reflecting black experience. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Side tangent. Um, I pulled him up on it, and that was his response. And I was like, "That's unacceptable language to use. Like, it, it absolutely isn't the same thing, anyway. You know, like that's absolutely not the same thing." And um, he never used those racial slurs in front of me again, but. I don't know what happened when I wasn't there, you know. Some of the language he was using was about the owners of the, the, the studio I worked in, um, which, again, I, I, don't, I assume obviously that they didn't know. <laughs> but I, I kind of... There's a lot of covering stuff up, you know, in the industry. Things get swept under the rug because it's easier. I ended up leaving that job, not just because of the racism, because of general kind of bullying in the environment, like tattooers that were throwing their weight around. And even after I don't even work in for maybe, maybe two years, a year and a half or something, I know, I, I know how I deserve to be treated. Do you know what I mean? It's like, nah, not, not having it. So, but, you know... That's a long time ago that happened. So that's so outright racism. <laughs> um, subtle, more subtle things, things that clients have to deal with. Also things that people that work in shops have to deal with. But for clients, when they come into the studio, the kind of response that you're given, right, can often be... Um, People often have a really bad experience, like black and brown people walking into tattoo studios because immediately when you walk in, sometimes the language used towards you is really not showing you that you're welcome there, right? If you walk in and the general environment anyway, if all the pictures on the walls, all the photos are on white skin, if all the sketches are on white paper, if all of the, you know, um, like if all of the artists there are also white, and then you've walked in and as a, as a black person, it doesn't mean that you're going to be badly received, but you have to consider, you don't know how many studios someone's already walked into and had a bad experience, right? And a bad experience could be, like, if you've walked in and you want to get something done, as a tattooer, you don't know what that person wants, right? The assumption for a lot of, um, or the way that it can feel for a lot of black people when they walk in is they are dismissed because the kind of work they might be asking for isn't the kind of work that the tattooers show or are interested in doing and that the skin that they're asking them to do the tattoo on is not going to be um, the kind of skin they want to show off in their portfolio afterwards. So those are slightly different things, but I'm more talking about like the... So that is kind of what happens. But the language that people use, right, when interacting with people, there's a way of saying something to someone and it not being negative. Like, all of these, um, like, subtle, kind of subtle things, like, kind of microaggressions that people have to, people learn to tolerate, but it is upsetting and they do build up, you know, like, 
depending like things like um I mean one of the obvious ones one of the ones I used to deal with all the time when I had really long hair is people wanting to touch your hair because you have because you're black and you have like hair that people are like it looks different I want to touch it it's like I'm not a fucking dog like you don't get to pet me you certainly like that thing of like people touching before they ask I think is wrong anyway obviously yeah. but like that is a thing that happens for especially black women I think like happens a lot I've watched I've I have to restrain myself sometimes you know because I think I get more upset on you know someone else's behalf when you watch those kind of um People just overstepping, overstepping boundaries, and then you know. Yeah, so I like. I'm not saying it's the same thing at all, but I used to. Do you remember when I had a really big beard that used to come down to here? The mm. amount of times when I was out in public, the people would just come up and reach a hand up and just start touching my beard, and how it's disgusting. But so imagine, imagine that that is happening, but you know that it's happening as well because of the color of your skin, because yeah. of the texture of your hair, because of the. It's not just that you have a beard. It's oh, you have a beard and you're also exotic, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, so those, you're right, it is that kind of thing, but it's the layers underneath it, which is part of what's damaging. Um, so, like, for people, when they come into a shop, um, you know, obviously one of the other issues that faces um, us in studios is just the lack of actual knowledge of how to work with darker skin tones and... Yeah what can be achieved, like, in terms of colour work on darker skin tones. But, again, the language used before, like, some of the stories that I've heard from people over the last couple of weeks are actually really heartbreaking, and it's been quite hard, quite kind of difficult reading, because so much of the hurt that's caused could kind of, it just was unnecessary, it didn't need to happen, because it's about people being ignorant about how they're interacting with each other, you know? So, like, if someone comes in and say they want to get, say someone who's has a darker skin tone and they want to get a colour tattoo, the first thing that comes out of your mouth shouldn't be about what colours they cannot have. You know, it should be about, yeah, I would love to create a colour piece for you. Let's talk about what options we can do that are going to look great on you. You know, there's a way of talking to people that doesn't, um, doesn't make them feel bad about how they just exist, you know, like... So that's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. Like, there there are, you know, like, we've both been tattooing for a very long time, and there are differences with tattooing darker skin tones to lighter skin tones, and there's differences mm -hmm. of how you approach it. Um, on black skin as well, there's differences with scarring uh, compared to white skin. So, like, one of the things that I think would be good to talk about is what those things are, and also more positive ways for people to approach talking to people about that. Like you just said, yeah. Like the, the way you talk to people and the way you explain it to people mm -hmm. is a massive game changer in how that that person feels. Yeah, and um, I think a lot of it's just about not centering yourself in the conversation. So, like, I mean, I said it at the beginning. Generally, you know, um, whiteness is the 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 center point that most people work from. So, when someone walks in with brown skin. The conversation is being started from a point of it's other already and what you can't do with it. So I think you need to flip the conversation a bit and think about what are the options and what is the, the it's, it's really just about changing how you're looking at what you're saying. Because it isn't, I've never ever told someone they can't have a color tattoo before in 15 years of tattooing. Never. Why would I? Of course they can. 
that's stupid. You know, it's like, if you have skin, you can have a colour tattoo. Is it going to look different? Like, yeah, my skin looks different to your skin. Like, I think that... Um, I, it's, it's really sad, to be honest, because what's also happened is, like, there's a really large portion of people that have been trying to get tattooed and they've really been done a disservice because they've been written off really you know as not being um I don't know like a good canvas which is kind of fucked up anyway like um but yeah I think um with regards to like there has to be conversation I think that one of the things that has to happen is that artists themselves need to own up to the fact that they do not have the experience necessary to work on the skin. If that's the case, rather than being like, you can't have this, I don't actually have the skill set yet to do the best tattoo for you, you know, because I don't know how to work on your skin type yet. So, do you know I mean, it's quite simple to say, I've never heard a tattooer say that. So, so going back to the, the, colors that you can and can't use are there any colors that you believe you can't use on like say dark very dark skin tones i think that's i mean you can put any color ink into skin right but obviously the way that it's gonna settle in is gonna look different so from i mean you can't really cover all of like color theory like really really fast but um for example for someone that's my kind of skin tone, there's certain colours like that are closer to my skin tone that's not going to show up so much, like yellows, browns, and oranges. I still have plenty of them, and they do still show up, but it's about creating contrast as well. So um, usually, I mean, we've jumped straight to colour um, and how colour works, but really with working with tattoos on darker skin, um, it's always about contrast. Like for me, it's always about contrast. And whether you create that with different, you know, line thicknesses or whether you're creating it with large areas of, you know, dark space contrasting with lots of negative space. And, you know, so design-wise, so this is the thing as well, is like, there's practically how you apply a tattoo, yes, is different in dark skin, but also how you design it should be different. It shouldn't be the same. It shouldn't be that splash on the wall, it will work on everyone because it doesn't. And that's okay. It just means people have to try a bit harder to provide options. But again, this is, you know, we're back to these kind of like um, microaggressions of the fact that when people walk in, those options are not, they may be there, but they're not usually shown. Um, some of the time it is difficult, again, if you, you don't have the client base. Like um, when I was back in London, I definitely tattooed more people of colour. Um, and up here, less so but then at the same time it's the most i've ever been sought out as a female um woman of color in the industry so a lot of a lot of people sorry have contacted me in the last couple of years looking for black artists it's like i don't know i didn't really notice it so much in previous years it's definitely more so in the last you know and i uh, have that thing of like i'm very aware of the fact that the majority of the work i do is not on dark skin and I have been trying to gather, you know, more examples of healed work, especially healed colour work, um, to be able to show what's, you know, achievable. Um, I've been stood there in tattoo shops while a tattooer is saying to someone they cannot have colour on their skin. They're the same complexion as me and I'm stood in front of them. Mm. And they'll be like looking at them, looking at me, like, 
do they not? I, yeah, and I'll wait for them to leave, and then I'll tell them what the real deal is because that's nonsense, you know. Like, so, um, so part on. of it, so part of it really is that tattooers need to get better. Like they need them to understand how it works. But I think you, you made a valid point because I, I would say that my experience is very similar to what you just said um, in the fact that I apprenticed in a small town in Essex and yeah. I tattooed no, nobody that, you know, I, I only tattooed white people. That was yeah. it. And then I moved to another small town in Essex and worked at a very high profile studio mm-hmm. where I only tattooed white people. Not because mm-hmm. not for any like deliberate thing but just literally it was only white people that came in and wanted to make those Mm. yeah so when it the first time i was confronted with a situation where someone who wasn't white wanting to get a tattoo from me Mm. i i didn't have any experience of it didn't have any learning of it didn't have any knowledge of it and i did have to turn the person away i did exactly like you said and explained it from a point of view Mm. of saying I'm, I'm just not good enough at this because I don't have the experience and try mm-hmm. to point them in direction of people that I thought maybe would. Um, yeah. And then from there, it's trying to get better and, you know, understand it more, you know. But is there any, I suppose one of the things that I wonder is, is there any things that you can go online and you can sort of read up on all of these things? And get, for tattooers who... Google is there, dude. Like, Google is, is like, when we've both been tattooing long enough that the majority of the information you wanted to find out wasn't online at the beginning. Like, there's so much resource about... um, So things like, you know, most... or A lot of tattooers just even generally, like, having more knowledge about skin in general. Because before you even get into the specifics of how, you know, dark skin works, like, a lot of people don't know, you know, like, the basics around that kind of stuff. Um, And not that you need to know a massive amount, but it does help sometimes to understand what you're actually doing, you know. And I think um, you have to be honest with people. Like what you said, like, you knew that you didn't, you weren't in a position to do the piece, right? So you said that. Um, I think sometimes what happens is people feel they don't want to look bad, you know, they don't want to look like they can't do it. So that's why you end up with this, using this kind of negative language trying to put someone off getting it almost. Or if, you know, maybe they haven't got experience and they've done the tattoo anyway, and then the tattoo is not done well, does not heal well, person gets keloid or, you know, scarring or something like that. You know, usually if something like that happens again, they then they then reinforce that it's the, the person of colour's fault by saying, "Oh, your skin has reacted badly to that." Rather than, "I I I did not tattoo that properly," you know, like no one wants to say that. Like no one's going to say that. So I think that education with regards to learning about the skin, learning about the process, um, learning about the healing, um, there's a lot of information around. Like I certainly. I'm looking to reach out to, you know, people that more kind of like people that work with skin, but in different ways um, to see if there's some kind of like information sharing that we can do, like whether it's sort of dermatologists or, um, you know, I did think people that just generally work with scars afterwards as well. That might be, there might be some kind of way of linking up with folks that do that kind of, have that kind of knowledge. Because I think that's the, the thing as well. Like I feel very... Um, out of my depth, should we say? I've said it to you before, and um, you know, I, I'm very aware of. I'm certainly no expert on anything. I've tattooed for a while. I'm all right at that, um, and I can give some opinions on that, right? But um, 
I think what needs to happen, like tattooing is quite insular in a way, and it is this sort of self-governed thing, which is one of the things we all love about it. It's like, yeah, it's kind of, you know, a traditional craft, and it does have that kind of freedom. Um, but there's also, in a way, it's, it's quite a self-limiting industry. Um, for example, phrases like, I'm going to probably, people are not going to like this, but phrases like loyal to the coil, etc. I love using coil machines. I love using coils. I can't because my hands don't like it, right? For me, that is a limiting phrase, right? Because it is giving you one option. And I like having lots of options. And I think what we need is more options, more conversation, more different perspectives, more different points of view. Um, you know, like it's not about what has worked or kind of half worked for half the in or the majority of the industry for a while. It's about what's going to work for all of us going forwards. And I think that is seeking outside information. You know, even like there's a lot of stuff that would just help everyone in the industry anyway with us all being better educated right but um yeah in terms of now i think people are really going to have to step up their game because i don't think you'll get um people are not going to tolerate you not knowing what you're doing and not you know like not going to tolerate tattooers not knowing what they're doing um and they shouldn't they shouldn't they shouldn't so much of the stuff that I've heard from people is things that they should not have had to deal with. It was totally unnecessary, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that there's just a lot of stuff to learn. It, and like I said, there's so many different layers to it. So that's, you know, just the technical aspect of physically how to tattoo the skin is not even, I don't even think that's the biggest problem. You know, generally speaking, I will point out so that when I started the page, when I started the group, um, I've had messages from all kinds of different people, and I've I know a lot of people in the industry. I know a lot of um, a lot of white artists. I know some black and brown artists. Like, um, and one thing that was really interesting to me, the messages that I received from. I, there was a lot of really good positive messages, lots of offers of support, and that's all really well received and was brilliant. Um, but a lot of the focus, so the, the, the focus from a lot of the white tattooers that were messaging about what was going to be on the page and suggestions was all about the technical aspect of the, the tattooing. Like, you know, like, how can I tattoo black skin better? Most of the messages I received from black and brown people, or IPOC people, um, were about the abuse and about the microaggressions and about the lack of knowledge and the lack of representation and the cultural appropriation and racist flash and racist symbolism in shops. So do you see how completely split that perspective is even? Like I had to sort of post some things just saying, like, I will get back to all the messages, but at the moment, my priority is with the people that I'm, like, the, we all need to do our bit to help each other, and my kind of aim has to be like the support side of it at the beginning and everything else is kind of going on from there but it's yeah it's quite interesting <laughs> I found that interesting when I looked at the way it broke down I was like huh interesting to see who's thinking about what even there's so much to unlearn and then re and you know learn again here and um, a lot of those situations even when people are trying to learn and trying to help we're going to make mistakes, right? It's going to happen. There's, there's a lot to go through. But I think one of the things that people have to do is just keep reminding yourself 
what it is you're learning and why you're learning it. And remember, it's not about you. Like I'm talking to white people at the moment. Don't center yourself in the conversation and don't look at doing like anti-racist work as a way to just, it's not about your self-improvement. It's about us all being able to exist equally, you know? So, and I'm saying that for a reason that is not coming from nowhere. It's coming from seeing this, you know, like there's, there's, Obviously, you want to see that. You want to see people doing, making the effort, having the conversations, reposting all over social media, and, you know, obviously you want to see that support. But um, there's no point in going through all the motions if you actually are not doing any of the work of actually understanding, um, you know, what's really happening and why, why this is so important right now, I think, as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, to, to go back to what you were just saying, I don't know if you, I, I don't remember if you mentioned it earlier, but you said about your initiative that you're doing. If you yes. could like a, a bit more of a background of what that is and what you hope to achieve, that'd be cool. Yeah. So um, it's called Shades Tattoo Initiative. Um, and I've started it up as a group. Um the main goal being to create some kind of community and support for black IPOC tattooers. Can I um, ask one thing really quickly? Yeah. I, I'll be honest, I don't know what IPOC means. Indigenous and people of colour. Right, so okay. some people, like I'm black mixed POC, so my background, I am black Caribbean and white British. Um, some people that are you know, people of colour, their background doesn't necessarily come from being black, you know, that there's lots of different ways of being mixed. And um, so it's a way of grouping together um, black and brown artists. Like, mm -hmm. I think sometimes people are scared of using the word black as well. Like, yep. uh, you, you know, like with um, when people walk into the shop and um, or for many years I've worked obviously with uh, our mutual friend, Lord, um, lots of people know him, he's the friendliest, like, big black guy. Like, if someone walks in and they said, you were like, which tattoo are you here for? The easiest way for someone to tell you who it was would be, oh, it's the black guy I spoke to yesterday. I've heard people, just, like, describe the shoes he's wearing, the colour of his top, um, his smile, like, describe anything but, like, you know, Black is, you can use the word black, it's okay as well. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, that's, that's an important point. I do think that it's, it's a, an important point to say that, like, we're all going to fuck up. We're all going to yeah. say things wrong. And I think pe at the moment people have, like, a real fear of saying the wrong thing and yeah. just, in, and so in which case going, yeah. kind of shying away from it. Mm -hmm. so, well, to be a bit, like, you know, I understand that sometimes I'll talk to people and they might say the wrong thing. I say the wrong thing sometimes, you know, there's obviously there's um, factors in like all of this that are new for all of us as well. So I think it's a bit of a learning curve and we have to be a bit kind of kind to each other while we figure it out to some degree. Um, that's why, so again, like with the, the group, like my main focus is to the support and like networking and um, education of the artists. So it may be the case that, you know, some people haven't had the opportunity to have the kind of apprenticeship that has prepared them, you know, the way that you would hope or um, sort of gaps in education there. And um, I had a traditional apprenticeship. I'm really glad that I had a traditional apprenticeship. 
Um, I think it's important to learn as much as possible um, across the board, you know, like about the skin, um, about machines, like technically, as much as you can. Why not? You know, if you're going to, it's your career, it's your job. Um, but I think that obviously there's also um, the need to try and help people to amplify their voices. So I'm aware of having some kind of platform of my own that I can use to try and uplift other people a bit as well. So that thing as well of having traveled and stuff in the past, if I can help people to kind of connect with artists in other areas. And I really like this idea of network and support and education. And I want us as tattooers to learn how to better serve the black and brown uh, community uh, clients and the tattooers in the industry as well, because there's, you know, obviously there's a lack of representation and things as well. So it's, I had a conversation with someone about um, uh, lack of representation. We were talking about cultural appropriation within tattooing and they were talking about, um, I can't really think how they put it, but we're basically saying about like Japanese and Chinese kind of artwork and even though it was used, they were implying it, the cultural appropriation wasn't so bad because, and I can't, because the history is so rich, the history is still there, right? Like, and I kind of, we were talking about it, we, we, didn't, we weren't arguing, we were discussing it. I was like, well, it's still cultural appropriation, but it doesn't mean you can't draw whatever you want to draw, right? But it's the acknowledgement. And then we were thinking about it afterwards, and it is that thing, it is different. You know, the, the, the lack of, um, written history for black people, the deliberate um, destroying, destruction and, you know, suppressing of knowledge, not letting people read for, you know, learn how to read for so long. And so, um, so yeah, when it comes to cultural appropriation within the black community, there's a lot of conversation about that, right? Like, and I think, I mean, people still don't really understand it there, but there's conversation about that. Within tattooing, even if, like, what they were saying did make sense, we, we talked it through, and I was like, I, can't, I get what you're saying, that as in, like, using the culture doesn't cause any damage, right? Or there's, there's less damage. Um, but, and this was where I was like, I get what you're saying. Here's where the problem comes in, I think, which is that, like, that may be the case, but, like, you still then have within the industry people from those cultures who cannot, you know, find representation, work conventions, get jobs in the shops they want because they're not wanted. So their culture is wanted, used, and all the rest of it, but maybe they themselves, I feel like I kind of fumbled that a bit. <laughs> maybe made that more complicated than it needs to be, but um, hopefully you get what I was getting at. Um, I think that there is still definitely conversation to be had about cultural appropriation within um, tattooing. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's the biggest issue we have. To be honest, I don't think it's the no. biggest issue at all. I think I think I don't think it's the biggest issue, but I do think it's a complicated one. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to unpack in there. So, like we've talked before, we're probably going to do multiple different podcasts on here. That would be a good one to just unpack a lot in yeah. detail. I would say that um, if you, as an artist, if your entire well, the majority of the work that you do comes from um, other cultures or, you know, uh, like, at 
least learn a bit about it, you know, and it is your it is your responsibility to do that. You should know about it if you're going to use it and make money off of it. Mm-hmm. And also, really, you would hope that they, those are also people that are really digging into doing the anti-racist work because that is kind of also what it's about, you know, about, like, people not really getting credit for things. Like, uh, people like black culture and black stuff. They, they don't, like, they don't stand for black issues and, you know, like, that's kind of... I don't know. There, there is so much, isn't there, though? <laughs> There's so much to yeah. cover. Yeah. Um, I think we're doing nice at the moment and we're like doing a nice overview. I think like we said, discussed before, we can get into all of these subjects in the nitty gritty of it in like separate podcasts, which I, I'm quite excited to do. Yeah. So, um, go on. I was, I, I was going to say something that popped into my mind about, um, we didn't talk about, um, you know, like within studios, one of the other things, and one of the other things that's obviously... Um, can be problematic is the symbolism that's in shops. So I'm not necessarily, I I mean, there's some old school tattoo flash, which is definitely just racist, outdated, kind of, you know, like there's no space for gollywog flash in any shops as far as I'm concerned. Um, There's other things, obviously, to consider. So like the obvious one being the swastika. Um, I think that obviously there's a lot of assumed knowledge in tattoo shops, right? Yeah. Like us working in an in a industry and being in these shops and looking into the background of a lot of these symbols, um, you can sit there and be like, I know the history of that symbol. I know that, you know, a swastika was something before the Nazis did what they did with it. And you have that knowledge so you... You know, and it's a peaceful symbol. It is. It's a, it's a symbol of peace. But, but, it's a symbol of peace that has that. to it. And it's a symbol of peace that has a lot of violence attached to it. And for some people, when they walk into your studio, and if you have a swastika on the wall, they're not going to want to sit there and hear about it being, you know, Buddhist symbolism or Tibetan. They don't want to hear that. They, they're just going to... For some people, they'll just leave. They will. Um, I've had conversations about that with, like, um, about uh, swastikas with my family members. I've never tattooed one before. Um, I've never been asked to tattoo one before. Probably for obvious reasons. <laughs> and, um, but, um, but, like, obviously I have got friends that do lots of dot work and stuff, and, I, you know, like I said, I, I know what the swastika means. If one of my, you know, friends that was approaching it from that point of view, I don't know what I would, I don't know if I would do it or not. Maybe, I don't know. It would really, 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 really depend. You know, I don't think I would be comfortable. And I'll tell you why. It's not really about me. It's about the fact that, you know, when I had the, I had the conversation with my mum about it, and she's of an age where when she came over, and she's been in the UK since she was about... 10 or 11, I think. Yeah, 11. Um, you know, obviously growing up over here and back in the day, like when you saw swastikas around, it was for one reason. For one reason. Because you were not fucking welcome and they wanted you to fuck off home. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I couldn't... I, I don't know. I'd feel kind of weird about it. You know, doing that symbol and then 
you know, like when I spoke to, spoke to her about it, I was like, I don't know if I would do one, really. I'm not, I don't think I would. I don't know. Yeah, I know I don't. I refuse to because uh, me personally, I, I've done a whole podcast on it before, but I come down on the subject of saying that if you're trying to reclaim something for its original meanings, you have to have had a claim over it in the first place. Now, yeah, personally, I've never had a claim over it at all. So for me to come and be like this fucking hero going, oh, I'm going to reclaim it for what it originally meant. Fuck yeah, off, mate. Not- you just yeah. all people all what I think is all a lot of those people are trying to do is do something that's naughty, do something that's taboo, but have a little get out of jail free card in their pocket of going, Look, look, it's to do with Buddhism. Shut up. Do you think it's just for the sake of being provocative then the holding on to that symbol within tattooing? Yeah, I think so. I I really genuinely How about the people that do just do like mainly kind of like tibetan style work because obviously traditionally there's a lot of swastikas in that style work and yeah but there's also a lot of stuff that doesn't encompass swastikas and why do people have such a leaning towards doing just the stuff that has swastikas in no i don't agree i'm like if you if you want to do tibetan sort of style pattern work that's fine crack on with it but there's a wealth of them that don't include swastikas use them yeah I do think, I mean, it's one of those, like, I don't really have any interest in doing them. I do think people should still learn about stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, the history, I don't still think people should, I don't think it should be that thing. So those, the, the, the people that have tried to do that, like, justify it, reclaim it as a symbol, it'd be like, oh, look, this is what it's about, which is why you should not be offended. You can't tell someone that they shouldn't be offended by it because this is the information about it. It's like, it's offensive because of the history and everything else. It's still going to be offensive to the majority of people. So yeah. I, for me, I just, yeah, I'm not really got... Okay. I, wonder if I, I wonder if I would ever get asked to do one. I don't think... No. Um... Maybe not after this podcast. Probably not. Probably not. I certainly won't. But um, one of the things I also think along with that is that, okay, cool, I get it. You want to reclaim it because it was co-opted by Nazis and Mm. it was originally a different thing. I tell you what else, though, there's a shit ton of symbolism that's been co-opted by Nazis and Mm neo-Nazis. The majority of people don't even know about or have any clue about, why are you not trying with them first? Why are you not going with those ones? Because they might be slightly easier to reclaim. It's, it, yeah. That's why I think it's the whole thing of doing a little naughty thing of going, oh, look, but look, I've got my little get out of jail free card. Yeah, but it's also, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, though, because, like, it's the most famous symbol yeah. because of the horrible meaning that was attached to it. They don't know about the other ones because it wasn't the one that was promoted by, you know, being Nazis. So. Yeah. That's kind of messed up in and of itself, isn't it, really? But, you know, that's the, the symbol that is the one trying to be reclaimed. But, so, but, yeah. So what I would say on that is I personally, just to clarify, I don't assume racism on anyone that's using swastikas within their work. <laughs> I think what's important is those people should be questioning why they're so fascinated with that one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What's the reason behind it? It's kind of, I mean, the... I don't know how much you've seen over the last weeks or more of like, you know, lots of screenshots of like racist flash that's up in studios that people have seen when they've walked in and been offended by. Um, that's diff- that's kind of different. Um, again, I would kind of look at, I mean, I don't think there's much to it as to why are you drawing that kind of thing, but I think that there is a really big problem if people are drawing that kind of thing 
and owners of tattoo studios do not see it as a problem to put gollywog flash up on the walls of their shop you know like that's um <laughs> so yeah i don't know it's weird it's it's, 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 a, it's a different conversation isn't it there's, there's sort of swastikas and symbols that way is quite different to the outright racism that you see in some of the old kind of old school flash and a lot of the stuff that people you know like obviously with within tattooing we have the tradition of reproducing recreating old ideas or you know there's no new ideas just new approaches right um i don't think we should just be doing the same things because it's how it's always been done yep. and that is regarding to all of this like regarding to you know, how people are treated in shops, the kind of flash that we're doing, the kinds of images we are perpetuating and, um, you know, the, the kind of stereotypes we're reinforcing with how, we, how we're behaving, you know, um, or how we treat people when they kind of come in. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so I think, we've, I think we've pretty much covered all of the main points of what we wanted to talk about, right? Yeah, I don't think... Oh, I, I suppose um, one of the the only other thing would be about the lack of representation and how that can be kind of tackled, I suppose. But that's more of a well, it's an industry thing. So I, I do think that there's definitely some responsibility with it's responsibility with studios to make sure. You know, obviously, you want to have the, a, a strong team. You want to have a strong set of staff. So make sure you have your strong staff, but make sure that you give people opportunities if they do come looking for you. And keep in mind that if your studio is like super, super white, it may not look that welcoming to someone of color to come into in the first place. You know, it depends how confident you might be with doing that. Um, so it may be the case that if you want to have a diverse staff, then you may need to like, you know, Obviously, there's always apprentices all over the place looking for places to work, especially like now with social media, it's quite easy for people to, you know, put that out there. You can always put out the feelers. Like, I know people are worried about wording, but it is that thing of if you want to make your shop more inclusive, then make your shop more inclusive. Do the work to do it, you know. Um, I also think that the conventions need to do a little bit for that as well. Magazines, like all of that stuff about rep representation. Um, they have platforms reaching lots and lots of people, they should be using them to support us in, you know, in this movement. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, there is, I think there is a difficulty in, like, within tattooing, like, we spoke about it before, um, you're, like, one of three people who I know who are tattooists who are people of colour. So it, mm. there is a difficulty in that. But I think, like you say, the more we, we, we start, considering how we talk to people when they come in about yeah. getting tattoos, the more likely those people are to feel part of the industry, the more likely yeah. people are to feel part of the industry, the more likely they are to become tattooers themselves. And so the yeah. whole sort of snowballs from there, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, I think that, and I think the, just, yeah, I think overall, it's the supporting each other in that as well. You know, like we all definitely can do something to try and shift things a bit. Not everything's going to happen overnight. Um, people can adjust their day-to-day -day behavior right now. You know, you can adjust how you speak to people right now. You can adjust, um, you can change where you buy things from. So the businesses you support, 
Um, obviously, like people, there's lots of um, places to donate to, especially at the moment, like over in the States, the Black Lives Matter movement. Those are all things that we can do, like right now, just in general, and like within tattooing. Obviously, at the moment, we're all on lockdown, like no one's actually, well, I don't know if you guys are back at work yet, but we're not back at work. I'm sure we don't have a date to go back yet. So there's lots of time for people to get ready for when they go back to work. There's lots of time for people to think about what does my portfolio look like, what's in it, and if it isn't very diverse, how do I, you know, how do I make it so? Like, and if you don't really have any ideas and you've got lots of time to think about it right now, um, I definitely, you know, I, I don't think, um, oh, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it's a group effort. That's what I think I'm trying to say. <laughs> I think we all need a bit and it's gonna it's, it will start to move things forward but it's going to take a consistent effort consistent and prolonged effort do you have any like so would you have any sort of suggestions that people can do because like one of the things that i find is i i don't ever know someone's skin color until they turn up i never ask people that i'm not interested until they turn up for the tattoo because mm -hmm. i'm confident enough that now within tattooing that i feel like i can deal with whatever yeah skin tone someone has but yeah i don't have much i don't have many clients who aren't white um, right. and my portfolio doesn't represent anything other mm -hmm. than a handful of people who aren't white is there any way that you think that i could show to people who aren't white that i i, I am more than encompassing of wanting them to come into the studio and get uh, to right. like to show people that they're welcome and yeah. to well, I think, I mean, there's things like, um, for example, like say when you're putting up your, uh, putting together your flash or like line drawings, sketches that you want to show, um, something as simple as putting your line drawings not all onto like one white background would be, you know, like a, a way to show that. Um, even, you know, I mean, I think it's, yeah, I mean, a lot is about it being visual, but then also when people come in, it's more to do with how you speak to them when they come in. Like, um, you can't necessarily, you can't create work that isn't there, for sure, but you can, all of the ways that you would usually, I don't know, like, promote your work, just consider the fact that you're not only speaking to one audience, you know? It depends on how your work is, like, what you do as to what's going to work, but definitely showing that there's those options like you know things like i i'm aware that you know i do lots of bold color work and often i'll put on if i put a sketch up can be done in black and gray or in color like you can put on there suitable for all skin tones you know it's not that doesn't come across as bad that's a that's something that could, someone could be like oh i didn't think that i could have that because i've been told it by every other tattoo shop before you know um i think you i think you made a great point there where like for me, it's something I've never considered. I'll be honest, I've never considered when I do drawings and I show people my drawings because it's all black lines anyway, and I don't do any color. Um, when I do that, it's just always on just white, white background. Not even on. I never showcase it as it would be on someone's body, even on white skin or whatever. I just show it as an image. I, I think that's a really good point that I could start considering going. Well, hang on a minute. How about if I, because I can Photoshop that onto someone of yeah. skin tones to give people an idea. Yeah, sorry, and people do that as well, like, you know, when you see, like, mock-ups, if it's literally a mock-up and it's just a random person's back, then why does it need to be a white person's back that you've taken and photoshopped over the top? It doesn't, like, at all, and 
something as simple as that could demonstrate that you know this is an option or um i'm trying to think if there's anything else that's but i, th I think a lot of it's about the, the conversation you know like and when people come in going through the options and like knowing that you if you don't have the knowledge it's okay to not have the knowledge yet as long as you're you know what i mean as long as you're on the path to trying to learn about it and trying to get your skill set up to a place where you, you can provide tattoos. Because you should, I, I believe you should be able to provide tattoos for every type of skin tone if you're a tattooer. Otherwise, you're not. You're, a, you're serving like a very specific, you know, group of people and, and ignoring a really broad group of people at the same time. So I do think it's our responsibility as artists to make sure that we learn our skill and hone that in. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of anything else that's like super useful for things you can do right now. But I think that can make a big difference. So I think that's a really great point, and it can make a big difference because, like, like we said before, it's all the snowball effect of people feeling like they're, you know, they're represented in that tattoo studio and they're comfortable going in, and they're not going to experience racism and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But then the snowball will start going from there. So I think that's a really good point. I think yeah. to finish up on. Is there anything that you would like to promote or any final last words that you have? Anything to promote? Um, not really anything specific. I, I am I'm going to be doing lots of interesting things with the group. So I'd like people to follow the group, you know, follow the artists. Like we're going to be starting to showcase a bit more of their work. At the moment, it's been more about connecting, trying to gather information, um, trying to see, like, I'm aware, you know, I'm quite kind of settled. I'm really interested in what's helpful for the junior artists, the apprentices, the people that haven't been in the industry so long and what's lacking for them. Because I'm, I'm also really aware of not being able to speak for, you know, everyone. I, I know what my experience is. And even just in starting the group, there's definitely, you know, there's a lot for us all to learn. Like, I don't know much about, you know, certain other groups experience in the industry. Um, I'd love to hear from more kind of trans folks about what their encounters are. Um, I have had some messages, but I, you know, there's certain things I really don't feel I can speak on. So I think we need to listen to all the voices and to amplify the voices that, you know, usually if, if, I think it's quite easy to do that part of it, you know, this kind of thing does that amplifying your voice. Um, sharing the posts, like, if, you know, it, it's, it's important for people to, to be doing all the work. So do all of the things that, you know, you see happening, like share the posts, have the conversations. I think that one is more important. Um, it's difficult, but, you know, your relationships with your family and your friends will change if you can discuss these things and especially if they need to be challenged on something, you know, challenge them on it. I, I'm not really for, you know, I don't know. I think there's a lot to be said for conversation before, um, I don't know, <laughs> lots of other, you know, like dragging people across the internet, say. There's, some people deserve to get dragged across the internet, okay? Some people deserve it. There's certain things that, but yeah, okay. But, there's a lot of folks that have done a lot of questionable stuff, right? And a lot of it comes from ignorance, lack of uh, education, lack of information, and they've been burying their heads in the sand. Those people that have just woken up to things and been like, 
ah, oh, shit, I've been, like, I've really been messing up this whole time. I think that we need to enter into conversation. I don't, I can't be bothered trying to explain, or like, trying to convince anyone that racism exists or, like, that white privilege is a thing or any of those things. I'm not really interested in those conversations. I'm interested in the conversations with the people that are already, like, cool, we're on board, we want to do this work, we want to collaborate, we want to, do you know what I mean? I think we need to move in that direction. Like, can't, um, can't force people to hear about, like, you know, obviously you see that as well. There's some people that are still so resistant to things changing. Why? <laughs> you know? But um, I think they're fighting a losing battle now. I really do. I think that things are, you know, shifting in the right direction. And I'm hopeful that just within our little pocket, within the tattoo industry, it's like we're a small industry, but we're big at the same time. We've spread, right? We've got reach. So I feel like we need to really do what we can to make sure that we're, you know, like we are making it a better work environment for everyone that's in it um, and not letting people down because um, it's, it's not acceptable. Not this, it's 2020, you know, like the world has shown us it's fed up of our shit. So I think we need to just get on with it now, really. Makes sense. And I think um, that's a great way to end the whole thing as well. Wicked, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, but but thank you for coming and doing this. We'll uh, we'll speak more in in like you know in the future, and we'll do more of these. I think because I think all of the subjects that we've covered sort of need to be gone into more detail. So if we yeah. can do that, that'd be great. But uh, I really appreciate you doing this. And I thank, you, thank you, thank you. No, thank you. Rambling. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> You've got this far well done good on you um i hope there was something informative in there for you i hope there was something that you can take away from this um like i said at the start if there's any questions any comments anyone want to talk about your own experiences just let us know get in touch um i hope to see you for the next ones of these that we do have a good day